This is the SETN Podcast with Frisco Forth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. Welcome in this week. It is the SETN Preps Podcast, Southeast Tennessee Preps. That's what we talk about. It's high school football in and around Southeast Tennessee. I'm Chris Goforth. He is Chandler Morrison, and we do this twice a week. We come to you usually on a Monday where we take a look back at the previous Friday night, and then we're usually with you on a Thursday, and we give you a chance to a little sneak peek at what's coming up on uh, on Friday night. Here's what we've got today. Of course, we'll close up things with a highlight, low light, and fail. We'll talk about our top five teams in the small school and the large schools, and then we'll also take a look back at a lot of the games from this last weekend. So, Chandler, if you're ready, I say we just hop right into it, man. Yeah, let's get it going. All right. Uh, again, want to uh, remind folks you can find us on Twitter. He is at Sports Chandler. I'm at ChrisGoForth1. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes at uh, the uh, the SETN Preps Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash SETN Preps Podcast. Um, if you search Southeast TN Preps Podcast, you'll find us. So check it out. Uh, and wherever you're joining us from, however you join us every week, we're just glad that you do. So let's hop into it, Chandler. Let's go with the, one of the games that we previewed uh, last week, Notre Dame and Central. Notre Dame came away with a 62-35 to 35 win. Notre Dame... There's one thing I can say about Notre Dame under Charles Fant. They are typically not a team that starts slow. This is a team that seems like they come out every week ready to go and a fast start, and that's what we saw from them against Central, and I think that's one of those hallmarks of a well-coached team, one that can just come out blazing right from the beginning. Yeah, you know, if you when we talked about this last week, we thought we'd say see a great rushing attack. We thought we'd see it from Central, but we saw it from Notre Dame. They on the ground, they had one heck of a game. Um, you know, Notre Dame just scored a will in that one. I mean, you know, and you know, this is the only this is the only private school that, or excuse me, only public school that Notre Dame will play all season. But this might be the best win so far for them when you think about it. Um, you know. <laughs> Just because of the, the magnitude of Central, and then you have all these other games with these private schools that are far away, you can't really gauge yourself. This might be the one where you can gauge yourself. But the offense is still rolling for Central. That's the most – it's tied for the most that has been scored on Notre Dame uh, this, this season with Baylor scored 35 and now Central scored 35. And Central, they haven't scored less than 20 points in any game this season. So they're still rolling hot. I think this is more one of those games where – they came to play, but there was just a better team there that they had to face. Yeah, I mean, Central, look, they put up 35 points, and they did it with some big plays against a pretty athletic Notre Dame defense. So, you know, you give Central some credit. The You know, the fact was Central, they just couldn't stop them. I mean, that's what it boils down to. They couldn't, you know, Central would have a big play. They would get momentum, you know, score a touchdown, and then they would turn right around and give up the big play and the momentum back to Notre Dame again. They just couldn't keep them out of the end zone. It's as simple as that. One of the other games that we uh, looked at, uh, going back to, to last week on our preview show uh, from uh, from Thursday, Udawa 
shutting out East Hamilton 37 to nothing on Friday night. I had told you, Chandler, last week that I thought Ottawa was finally beginning to put this thing together. And when it everything clicked for them, I thought this could be a really good team. And they absolutely dominated East Hamilton from the opening kick. We've seen some explosive plays from Ottawa. I mean, we've talked about Sanford, the quarterback, and all the athletes that they have. This was about the Ottawa defense because they just flat out shut East Hamilton down. Um, and I still think East Hamilton has a schedule that, you know, I've kind of cooled a little bit. Last week, I, th- I thought maybe they could get to five or six wins, you know, five and five, uh, you know, six and four. I think maybe four and six is is a possibility, but but I still think five and five is as well for them. But this was a in a big rivalry game. This was Ottawa just really being dominant. Yeah, you can't say enough about Kyrell Sanford. He had three touchdowns on the night, all rushing. But by the way, he had like 149 yards passing, I believe, and just a dual threat. Uh, but three touchdowns on the ground, you know. <laughs> You know, but what is this dude doing after the game? I don't know if you read the Times Free Press uh, on Saturday, but what's this dude doing after the game? He's worried about the ACT the next morning. Good for him. What a guy. Good what a guy. Him. Love to love to see guys out there worry more about school than a game. I mean, we love football and everything, but it's one of those moments where you realize what's really important in life is, is school and getting that education. But good for him. Uh, but Uwa, like you said, it looks really impressive on both sides of the ball. Um, you know. But the most important thing is this rivalry This rivalry comes and goes, and they dominate. And sometimes it's all you need to know about a team is that they can dominate their rival and they're not going to cave in to the pressure of outside forces coming into that game. Ottawa, to me, Chandler, they, they've got all the pieces. They've got the athletes. The question I have about Ottawa is how do they fare when they get outside our area? And most of the teams in the higher classifications in our area, they go to Knoxville in November to die. They do pretty well, you know, beat up on each other here, and maybe we have one or two really good teams in, you know, 4A, 5A, and 6A, and then all of a sudden they have to go face those teams from Knoxville in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. and they can't get past them. You know, they can't overcome them. So that's kind of what I'm wondering you know, what does Ottawa look like? How will they match up when they have to face some of the better teams from the the northern part of East Tennessee? That's that's really the question. And Ottawa, uh, or East Ham, rather, uh, East Hamilton, they've got to find a way to be able to throw the ball. You cannot, at the level they are at, you, you're not going to win enough games uh, to, to get in the playoffs if you can't throw the ball. And right now, they can't throw the ball. To the game that was on TV on uh, Friday night, Meigs County shut out Sequatchie County 35 nothing. Chandler, did you go? Uh, I did go. I did go. And, uh, you know, that that game was a very, you know, that score, you know, sometimes we say, well, that score is not really representative of the game. That You know, it's not really a blow. It should have been a 14. No, this one should have been a 35-0 game, game, Chris. I think it could have been worse. Meigs County is that good. What can you say? about Mexican, except for the fact they had a running back out this last week. He's supposed to come back during the Sequatchie County game, but they let him out. They're trying to get him to heal up. And Aaron Swafford goes off and goes for five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. Mind you, one of those touchdowns 
was a 96-yard fumble return. This dude's playing both ways on the field and making plays on defense as well. Usually when you get your quarterbacks on defense, they're like, yeah, let's just get over here and not get injured. The coach is like, yeah, that's a good plan. No, he's in the thick of things, getting the fumble return, taking it back 96 yards to the house. That defense was as sad as I've seen this season, although the Sequatchie County offense has not been one to put a, put a lot of output during games, though. So you I think that's what's worth. You never really felt like this game was ever in jeopardy. Meigs County was in control from the start of this one. Um, and that's, you know, again, I think Meigs County is really, really good. Of the teams you have seen this year, are they the best? That you've seen in person, are they the best? That I've seen, that I've seen in person, uh, we'll, we'll call all the Valley teams and say, yeah, uh, Meigs County is probably the best I've seen this year uh, thus far. But, you know, Sequatchie County, they're still a bit underrated. I'm not trying to defend them. I know they lost 35-0, but – for them, getting to the playoffs is a little bit easier because they play more Middle Tennessee. Really, the only threat they really have this year is Upperman. Um, but they probably won't face a dual-threat quarterback as poised. Now, maybe they may face one that's better, but not as poised as Swafford was. Swafford is probably the best quarterback I've seen this year. Now, I have not been to a McCauley game, so I can't, I can't speak for Hardy. But he's probably the best quarterback I have seen this year. And the poise he had to know when to throw it, when to run out of the pocket and throw it, and when to just weed through the defense and be a running back, it's just amazing. Uh, you know, it, you can't say enough about him. When you go Swafford, Hardy, uh, Sanford, uh, you know, the kid at Tyner needs to be on that list. The kid at Marion County needs to be on that list. Samson. Uh, yeah, Tony Sampson. I mean, there's uh, that is a solid group, and the kid at South Pittsburgh is only a sophomore, and he's probably going to be end yeah. up just from a in terms of a recruiting standpoint. I think the kid at South Pittsburgh may end up being the more highly recruited kid uh, at the college level than any of these guys. But you're talking about a bunch of guys now, right now, playing quarterback in this area that can throw and can run, that are the epitome mm-hmm. of dual threats, that are. I mean, this is as good as I think we have seen it from a quarterback standpoint um, yeah. in our area. I mean, you've got legitimately – you you may have um, – you know, I think Swafford is he's – he's got to be the Mr. Football winner in two-way. He's got to be. He's got I, to be, yeah. You can't, you can't convince me there's anybody better. Same thing goes with D'Angelo Hardy. Now, he may not win it being in Division Two, but he's going to mm-hmm. be in the conversation. Kyrell Sanford at Udawa should be in that conversation. Udawa needs to win enough games to make sure that he's in that conversation. But, man, we have got some. We are talent rich right now at uh, at quarterback. Talent rich. And it's really, it's really good to see because, you know, as long as I've been around Chattanooga football in the past few years, as long as I've been covering it for about five or six years, it's been very running back heavy. It's been very – well, we'll throw a pass out of the play action, or we'll throw a pass when we absolutely have to. But there's been a couple over the years. You know, you talk about, uh, what was it, Reese Phillips at Single Mountain a couple of years ago, and some of these others we've seen. That was just one that came to mind for me. But it's been very running back heavy, and now we're starting to see more quarterbacks progress, and hopefully this becomes a trend, for instance. I would love to see more quarterback play, more balanced offense as we go forward, because I think that's what's been keeping – Chattanooga really from excelling at football, they just never really had the quarterbacks or had a lot of them at one time. 
I, I think this is a good group, man. I like all these guys from an athletic standpoint. I think they are all just fantastic. Uh, you know, from from my standpoint of, of covering it now, um, you know, since the mid-90s, I can't and, and having followed it since the early 80s, and I don't ever remember there being this many at one time. You know, and I'm not even – I mean, we could sit down and make a list and go through – you know the the quarterbacks in the area that are that that deserve to be mentioned. I just rattled off the handful of guys that that I see and hear off the top of my head that that I think are outstanding, and you know we could easily come up with a list two to three times that long if we really sat down and and started to go yeah. team by team through this because we're forgetting guys and we're leaving guys off. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's head yeah, up. To- no, go ahead. I was going to say, whoever you got throwing the ball to Trey Curry, he's probably in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, they, well, it, he was the the kid at uh, at uh, Bradley is a returning starter from last year who I think threw for over two thousand mm-hmm. yards. So, yeah. you know, the, he they're they're just not as top of mind, maybe as uh, oh, as yeah. these other guys are, but still. Uh, yeah, we're deep at the quarterback position. Still pretty deep at oh, running back too. Still pretty deep at running back too, though. Whitwell came away with a forty-one ten win over Signal Mountain uh, on Friday night. Josh Wingo, twenty attempts, two hundred ninety yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Whitwell had nearly four hundred yards rushing in this game, and I don't want to take anything away from Josh Wingo because that was a. Look, you you run for 290 yards and score three touchdowns, that's a pretty good day's work right there. But let me tell you, those big guys up front, and it was a revamped offensive line for Whitwell. Um, They had a couple of starters out off the offensive line, so it wasn't their normal group that was out there on Friday night or had guys that weren't in their normal positions. Now, I think this week against Lookout Valley, they should be back to just about 100%, but Man, they were opening up holes on Friday night. You could have driven a truck through. They were so big. Um, I mean, those guys really took control of it at the line of scrimmage. And and Signal Mountain had their opportunities in this game. It was 14-7 Whitwell at one point. It was 21-10 Whitwell at the half. And Signal Signal has these these wide receivers who were basketball players, Malone Howley and, and a couple of those guys, uh, Hanroth, um, Radden, guys that are all 6'4", 6'5", and they were using that height advantage over Whitwell to be able to uh, to move the ball against them in the first half. And then in the second half, for whatever reason, Signal Mountain moved away from throwing it the way they were, and they went back to right. trying to run it more, and it just didn't work, you know. And, and again, we've sat here all year and said, Man, they passed the eyeball test. How were they that bad? Well, after watching it Friday night, I, I kind of start to see it. I mean, it's, you know, again, they are so close, you feel like, to, to being able to turn the corner, and maybe they will. They started rough last year, rebounded, uh, and made the playoffs. Maybe they can do the same thing again this year, but it was a little bit puzzling to watch them on offense Friday night. You wonder maybe if they did that against Whitwell because of, you know, Whitwell is not a region game. Whitwell, you know, it's a smaller school. They're really good, and they got a really good defense. you think maybe they do that to try to run the ball to see if they can try to 
pull up a running game because maybe they haven't been able to pull up one. I don't know, but still you wouldn't want to take a loss to Whitwell um, as someone in a lower division than you. But, but Whitwell, what can we say? I mean, it's hard to tell sometimes how good a team really is until you see them. But I think this is really for Whitwell. It's been kind of the first test they've had this season against someone who can pass, against someone who seems to be good. You know, and this is the most points scored on Whitwell this this year so far. Uh, you know, they played 2A and below. Bledsoe County wasn't exactly a 2A title contender. Signal still has some questions around them, surrounding if they can win, if they can make a run this year. But Whitwell is slowly showing me that they're not just one of the best teams in 1A, but in the Chattanooga area. And we'll, we'll talk about that later when we do our top five teams, but they're slowly becoming one of the best teams in the area for me. My only concern, Chris, is is the is the depth. What what can you say about the depth they have? Because that's been well, they don't have mark over the past few years. No, they don't have any. I mean, they got thirty three kids, and that's where you know people are crowing. Oh, they're running up the score on people. Look, when you pull out Josh Wingo, the guy that comes in in his place is John King, and he's a senior, and he's not as big as Wingo, but he's ever been as fast. So, what do you do? Yeah. If you get a chance to score, man, you score. You take it in. You don't ever tell a kid not to yeah. score, I don't think. I mean, you know, uh, I don't care. Getting your feelings hurts a part of life, you know. So if if somebody's yeah. scoring another touchdown on you, if that hurts your feelings, you know, you better get uh, – you, you're going to have a hard adulthood if you get your feelings hurt by <laughs> – uh, by somebody scoring another couple of touchdowns on you late, and Whitwell didn't score in the uh, in the fourth quarter. It was a uh, you know they twenty one ten at the half, and they scored twenty points, three touchdowns in the third, and then and then that was it. So, um, well, but, well, Chris, it wasn't it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about the Whitwell Signal Mountain game in the same region. And you look over, and there's a 75 nothing score. Signal Mountain's undefeated. Whitwell probably 0-4, and now the tables are completely turned. If that's not a story, I don't know what it is. got Signal Mountain 0-4, Whitwell 4-0, and Whitwell, with the upper hand, taking Signal Mountain out to the woodshed. That's one of the more interesting things. That's from when I played in high school ball, that's probably one of the more memorable scores I remember seeing when I was playing high school ball was 75 to nothing, Signal Mountain over Whitwell. Well, I'll say this now for Whitwell's schedule, and this was there is no way two years ago when they worked this schedule out that they could have foreseen what was going to happen. But you face winless Boyd Buchanan, winless Bledsoe County, winless yeah. Copper Basin, and winless Signal Mountain to start the season. And you would have thought going into this that, well, Copper Basin's a region game. It is what it is. Bledsoe County is a valley rival, but Bledsoe County's generally pretty good, right? I mean, at least. Gives you a pot. Yeah. They're, uh, you I know. Mean, and years ago, they were overtime game with Whittle. I mean, sure. that was how it was. And But you've got Boyd Buchanan and Signal Mountain on there who, at the time, you thought, man, Boyd is, is Boyd Buchanan. You know, they've been rolling since the mid-90s over there. And that's Signal Mountain. And they've had it going on since 2010. Yeah, they had a bump in the road there. Um, they had to make another coaching change. But they'll figure it out and they'll be back. I don't think anybody would have projected all four of those teams to be winless 
four games into the 2018 season two years ago. So now they'll they'll get a team this week, uh, Whitwell Will and Lookout Valley, that at least has a win. They did beat Jellicoe last week, but that'll be yeah. the first team now. So week five of the regular season, and Whitwell finally faces a team that has won a game. Think about yeah. that. Think about Ooh, that for a minute. All right, let's uh, let's hop into the big one uh, down at South Pittsburgh, where the Pirates put a forty-two to six win over uh, Marion County. Five hundred and forty-nine yards of total offense for South Pittsburgh. Uh, Ronto Tipton, by the way, uh, he ran for two hundred and thirteen yards. Normally, when you hear about a guy running for two hundred and thirteen yards, you tend to think about it like the way you did, you know, Josh Wingo at Whitwell, who had two ninety. Wingo did it on 20 carries. So yeah. you kind of think Ronto Tipton, probably, you know, 15 to 20 carries, right? Big night for him. No. <laughs> the man did it on six carries. He needed <laughs> six carries to get 213 yards. In South Pittsburgh, yeah, bit- South Pittsburgh did not play well, by the way. I, you know, talked to a lot of people who were there, and the consensus is, you know, they just not – did not play well. Issues on special teams. Issues on the snap from center. Um, they got a lot of things that uh, they need to work on. But uh, they, uh, at the end of the day, and they got the win in this series, and that's what matters the most to, to most people. Yeah, I mean, South Pittsburgh's really in the same boat Whitwell's in. I mean, because sometimes when you have these, you know, even Marion County this year kind of seemed like, you know, Eric, you can get up for that game. But some of the games they've had this season, you can't really get up for. This is one they could get up for. This is one they could get into. Uh, but South Pittsburgh really in the same boat with Wolves in as far as, you know, no competition really and no real test yet. I mean, other than South Pittsburgh with, you know, maybe Sequatchie County, maybe that was a test, but I'm not even calling it that because I was at that game. Uh, we, we talked last week, and I think South Pittsburgh will, will be more intriguing than this Marion County South Pitt game. Oh, you know, and I think that's the consensus with everybody. But you're right. Rondo Tipton is just locked out. I saw him at Sequatchie County. I saw what he did. Amazing, right? He is, is good. And then I saw the stat line in this one. I thought, holy cow, this this cat might actually be able to, to pull away a Mr. Football Award if they can beat if they beat Whitwell in the playoffs and get down to the, the nitty gritty in the in the in the playoffs. Um, but the Mary County, I, I don't think they'll even be. I, I don't think they'll even be able to compete for a home playoff game at this point. I think they are that far down. I think Polk County might have their number. If Polk County has their number, they they can kiss that first round playoff game goodbye for you know first round home playoff game goodbye. They'll be going on the road. They'll be hitting the buses. That's tough. I know they've been bit by the injury bug, and that gets complicated, uh, especially when you're putting a new offense in. And now all of a sudden, some of the guys you thought you would be counting on now suddenly you're not able to count on them because they're not healthy. It creates a uh, you know creates a lot of problems and a bit of a snowball effect sometimes for teams. So um, hopefully they can get the uh, you know they'll get the ship righted in time and and be able to pull out a couple of wins uh, in in the region and be able to get that yeah. uh, that home field advantage. You're right though. I think for Marion County the game against Polk County becomes. I mean it was already going to be a big game, an important game. Now I think it's even more so. It's it's a big game and it's an important game for them. Uh, real quick, congratulations to uh, to Vic Grider on uh, 200 career wins. A guy that has always been just first class uh, to me. Um, I can't say I'm I'm a fan of Vic's. 
always have been. He has always been as open and as honest and always willing to give you whatever you want and need um, and is a coach that truly, truly gets what it means to promote his kids. And he understands the role that, you know, the media in every form plays when it comes to South Pittsburgh football and, and, and getting the name of his kids out there and getting them attention and just a first-class guy. So congratulations to him. I, I was there when he got win number one uh, back in 1997, and uh, so uh, tickled for him. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Yeah. I hope he sticks around and wins 200 more. I doubt it, though, but I hope he does. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Vic's, Vic's just a great guy. I, I've, I've only dealt with him for like five or six years, and every time I've dealt with him, no matter what it's been, no matter what game it's been, no matter where I've been or who I've been working for, he's just always been very open and very just, you know, what do you need, you know, blah, blah, and, you know, just just honest. I, I love the honesty he has sometimes. Well, we got to get past this game. We got to get past that game. You know, he, he's a coach. He speaks in coach speak. I mean, he does. But then again, he does have those honest Moments where he's like, "Okay, yeah, I get what you, I get what you're putting down on the table." But let's do the top five. We'll do the large schools first. Um, I'll tell you what, Chandler. Why don't you lead us off this week? All right, for the large schools at number five, I've got them moving into the top five. They weren't in there last week. Saudi Daisy. I've got them in my top five. That's interesting that you have Saudi Daisy there because they are the team that I have just on the cusp. Like, if I were to give you, uh, if like, if this was a top six instead of a top five, Saudi would be there. They would be number six. I still need Saudi. I still need Saudi to beat a good team. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I had them on the cusp last week as well. Uh, I did, and they moved up because of a move. You'll see here in a second. Uh, I moved somebody out and moved them in. Uh, but Notre Dame is, is my number four uh, in the mix uh, for this. I think that went over – Chattanooga Central is impressive for them. I, I really do. And even though it is a public school, and I think Central still has a lot of momentum. I think Notre Dame really showed, hey, we can we can still compete. We're we're one of the top. We're one of the bigger schools, and we can still compete with them. Uh, I've got uh, Bradley Central at number three, but I was under the assumption that you would be giving your number four next. Oh, well, I was going to let you do your. <laughs> I was going to let you do your five. Okay. We're so informal here. Um, all right. Well, let me let me let me get caught up then. At number five, I've got Chattanooga Christian. Okay. Who is new on the list? I didn't have them last week. They're three and one now. We've all said it. I think everybody that has followed high school football uh, in this town for the last five six years, maybe longer, has looked at Chattanooga Christian and said, "Sleeping giant." Sooner or later, it happens. And when they hired Mark Mariakis, I went. There's the missing piece. Nothing against the guys that were there before, but Mark Mariakis is a guy that can he he can coach. He's a motivator. Um, right guy, right time, right job. As far as I'm concerned, so I've got the Chargers in at number five with a three and one record. I've got Ray County in at number four off that loss to McMinn County um, this last week. Yeah, um, Ray, Ray County got knocked out of mine. I, I knocked them down to off, off the cusp because of that McMinn County loss. Wow, you're tough. That was, you're tough. I know. And McMinn County's I just, good. I mean, they're they're not bad. They are. They're not bad. They're, they're a six six A squad. They're yeah, both, yeah. I mean, yeah, you lose to a six A squad, and Chandler puts you out. But <laughs> well, you know, they are in that region with 
with Maryville and Ulla and you know, I, it's really tough for them. But I, I just got I'm taking I'm taking Ray County out for now. They'll probably make their way back in if they can prove to me they deserve to be about top five. Now who you got at number um, three? I've got Bradley Central at number three. Bradley Central. See, I've got three and one Ottawa in at number three. Well, that's funny you say that because I've got Ottawa at number two. Uh, see, I, I have Bradley Central. I have Notre Dame at number two. Oh, okay. Interesting. You want to explain? Uh, yeah, I just think Notre Dame is. Uh, I think it has. I, I think the start to the season for them. If if we could replay the game between them and Baylor now. I think Notre Dame wins. Maybe not by a huge margin, but I think Notre Dame wins. I think they have gotten better as as this season has gone on, and I think they have found themselves. And I think what you're starting to see um, from from Charles Fant and his guys is I, th- I feel like you're starting to see more players emerge. They've coached some guys up. New guys are coming along, and I think that's uh, that's the reason why I got Notre Dame number two. At number one, it's unchanged. I, I can't, I can't move them. I, I just, there's no way possible for me to take Macaulay off of my number one in the large schools. I mean, they're just, they're just so solid. And even off that loss of NBA, you know, we, we talked about this last week. They're still so impressive for Chattanooga area. I mean, regardless of if they get to the state title or not, it's probably they are the best team in Chattanooga, and I think they will stay that way throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, um, and that's that's where I that's where I sit as well. So my top five, just to recap, and then Chandler, you do yours. My top five: Macaulay okay. one, Notre Dame two, Ottawa three, Ray County four, Chattanooga Christian five. I've got Macaulay at one, Ottawa at two, Bradley Central at three, Notre Dame at four, and Saudi Daisy at five. Man, man that Chattanooga Christian—they they just kind of sneak up on you, I, you know. I Sometimes I forget that they're in Chattanooga. <laughs> I really do. They just—they're kind of like to themselves. They're just a private school, you know. Notre Dame's the the big the big hog molly in that region, you know. I mean, you for, you forget that they're in Chattanooga, even though it's clearly Chattanooga Christian. And um, again, I just think they're a program that the the time for them has come. They mm-hmm. got a big time player in Mondo Ellison, right. Right time, right athletes, right coach. This this is this is it for them. I think this is is and and I think they're only going to get better. Because um, again, Coach Mariakis, he'll win you some football games. Let's look at the um, let's look at the top five now in the smaller schools. This is uh, private uh, public schools only. One A, two A, and three A. Uh, number five, Chandler. I'm going to go with Red Bank. That's interesting. I, I've got. I've got Whitwell at number five, and the only reason I had them at number five is that, you know, they're still impressive, and they did get the win over Signal Mountain, but I just think that the teams I have above them could could all, if you match them up head-to-head, could could beat Whitwell. Yeah. Um, clearly, that, clearly I'm higher on Whitwell than you are. Yeah. And that leads <laughs> us into the number, the number four. I've got South Pittsburgh. In front of Whitwell. Now, I really could do a tie four there and have South Pittsburgh Whitwell. They're they're really interchangeable at this point. I give South Pittsburgh the nod at four just because look, South Pittsburgh's been dominant for years and they seem to have Whitwell's number and Whitwell's just not beating them since nineteen ninety one. I just I'm, that's the only reason I have them at number four instead of below Whitwell, because I think Whitwell is really impressive and even more impressive than South Pittsburgh. 
but I give them the nod because I think South Pittsburgh, when it comes down to it, can could still potentially beat Whitwell. I've got, I've got Tyner at number four. Okay. I mean, for uh, right. you know, I mean, for all the reasons that we already know, I have Tyner number four. Mm-hmm. I've got I'm a little bit higher on Red Bank. I've got them at number three. I know that the the loss or the um, the game with Central was pretty close, but I just think they're they're still very impressive. You know, the, the running back there, uh, you know, their defense has been really impressive. They've been able to hang in with anybody they've been able to go in with, and they're on a bye week, so I felt bad moving them down anyway, so I wasn't going to move them down below number three. Well, and, you know, look, I agree with you on on Red Bank. I mean, for as, as good as Jackson is, that mm-hmm. defense has been the difference in Red Bank this year. I mean, that, yeah. that defense is stout. I've got South Pittsburgh at number three. Okay. I, uh, I can live with that. I got South Pittsburgh at number three. How about number two in your top five? I have Mex County uh, at number two. I listen. I, I saw them. It, I, maybe it's just me seeing a team, okay, and seeing them in person that makes you feel like they're that much better. I just think Mex County is, is so impressive. I mean, I know it's the Quachicay. They're not going to score a whole lot of points anyway. But that's the question. Okay, defense is really good. I mean, regardless of what you I mean, they're really good. And so when you're Mexican and you hang 35 on Sequatchie County and that defense, and not only you hang five, one person single-handedly takes you down. And, and they got another guy that they got a running back that's coming back next week. He didn't even play this week. He, he's been injured. They wanted to bring him back this week. They thought it was better. No, we better just wait till next week. It, they're just too impressive for me not to put anywhere between one and two. I've got Whitwell as uh, as my number two. I just think what and look, I know they've beaten a bunch of bad teams, but they haven't just beaten people; they have dominated people uh, yeah. to start this season. And so, right now, um, and and I'm with you. I think you could put Whitwell in South Pittsburgh. You could have, you know, two and two A or three and three A. How you know three A, three B, wherever you have them ranked. I've got you know Whitwell two, South Pittsburgh three. Um, you know, again, South Pittsburgh struggled a little bit due to their own issues against uh, Marion County, and I think Whitwell, while they didn't play uh, didn't play their best game, probably, um, I thought Whitwell played really, really well against Signal Mountain, and they had another weapon emerge uh, in uh, in Josh Winga, who people knew was really good, especially on defense as a linebacker, but. He showed himself to be an offensive weapon on Friday night. Real quick, Chandler, before we get to our number ones, was there a team that just missed the top five for you? For me in small schools, it's kind of hard because I think those five are really the best five, and there's not a whole lot of other ones to be in the conversation for me. I had Sequatchie County on there last week. I couldn't. I couldn't really put them in the cusp after that loss to Mex County. So well, that, that makes me. That makes me want to know who your number one is now. <laughs> um, my number one. Well, I had Polk County on the cusp. Right? I'm not at number one. Not number one on the cusp. That's who I had on the cusp. Yep. Same here. I'm making it. Same here. If we would have had a top six, Polk County would have been yeah. number six for me. And I still have. I still have Marion County somewhere in there, just because I think. Yeah, they're, they've, they're kind of gone by the wayside, but still, I think they're still able to compete in that region. But for my, my number one, I have Tyner. Really? I do. You I, got I Tyner over Megs? I do for now, but they're really, it's kind of like the South Pittsburgh Whitwell situation. They're really interchangeable for me, but I just give Tyner the nod. 
because, you know, we, we, we've seen things out of Tyner. You know, Mex County, let's face it, outside of Sequatchie County, they play nobody, okay? Tyner has at least faced up against some, you know, bigger squads and some teams that, you know, maybe we thought were going to be good teams coming to this year, and they were. Some of them ended up being good teams. I think Tyner is they, – they have, they have proven themselves to me where Mex County – you know, I still think that they have some tests down the road maybe, but they've just not proven themselves to me because I, I don't like to put someone at my number one if all they've beaten is teams like Cumberland Gat, teams like, you know, that, that are just – you look at their schedule, they might be, you know, they might be over over the season. They might have one win at that point. I, I just – they've not been impressive, as impressive to me as Tyner has been with that rushing attack they've had. Well, I've got Megs County as my number one. I just think Megs is – um, you know, right now in East Tennessee, I think Meigs County is is the team to yep. beat. Um, but again, I think it'll come down to them and Tyner. I mean, I would be shocked. I don't know what round of the playoffs those two. I'd have to go dig through the bracket semifinals. Semifinals. Yeah, I, yep. you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the semifinals is is Meigs and and Tyner. I, you know, and that'd be one I'd pay money to go watch. I mean, that is a that is a really good. Should be, would be a really good matchup. Whole bunch of athletes on the uh, on the field. So, recapping yeah. my top five small schools: Megs one, Whitwell two, South Pittsburgh three, Tyner four, Red Bank five. What do you got, uh, Chandler? I've got for my small schools. I've got Tyner at one, Megs County at two, Red Bank at three, and South Pittsburgh at four. Oh, and Whitwell at. Five again, Whitwell, South Pittsburgh interchangeable to me. Mike County a little bit interchangeable with Red with uh, Tyner Academy, um, but that's just how the cookie crumbles. It's interesting. We both have the same top five in in the s- small <laughs> schools. It's just in we we orders. yeah we've each got them in a in a different order. But I think that's clearly the uh, the five best. Let's get to a little segment we do every week. We call it highlight, low light, and fail. We'll give you a highlight, a low light. And an absolute fail from the uh, from the weekend. Let's go highlight first because we want to start on a positive note. I'm going to go with two running backs out of the Sequatchie Valley. I want to give it to give my highlight of the week to Josh Wingo and Ronto Tipton. Both of them go for yeah. over 200 yards. Uh, Wingo went for 290 on 20 carries. That's ridiculous. He scored three touchdowns. Ronto Tipton went for 213 in just six carries. Um, I didn't even know that was humanly possible, honestly. And he scored three touchdowns as well. So kudos to both of those guys. That was uh, those are some highlights worth watching. My highlight for me is got to be Aaron Swafford, and I cannot be. I, I'm a fan of this dude already. I will probably be keeping tabs on him the rest of the season. Probably making several references to this dude. The dude went off the chain Friday night. I'm just saying, a dual threat quarterback. Plays both ways. I already told you about the 96-yard fumble return to the house, okay? Didn't throw a single passing touchdown and had five touchdowns, okay? Only thing he did wrong, he had an interception. And Sequatchie K didn't even score off of it. My alma mater. That, that's the lie, right? And they did it all. he did it all on live TV. He came to show out for the cameras, man. Just a junior. If they ain't started looking at him, now would be a good time to start UD1 schools. I'm just saying. Let's move on now to the low light. My low light of the week, Ray County, six turnovers in a 15-7 loss to McMinn County. Brutal. Oh. Yeah, uh, my, my low light for the week, quality of games, all these rivalries, all the rivalries we had, no games closer, 
no rivalry game that we talked about was closer than 31 points, Chris. Think about that. 31 points. No, Nobody was in 31 points of each other. You either showed up or you didn't. It's as simple as that. Here's the next week being more competitive than this week, Chris. Interesting. And my fail of the week is this, and I've said this before, the problem with youth sports, and I'm including high school football in this, is adults. And if we can get adults to act like adults and not act like kids, youth sports would be a whole lot better. And so that's just, you know, we all love the sport. We love to talk about it. We love to argue about it. And it's all in fun and games at the end. And, it, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really, you know, we're not curing cancer here. We're just having a good time with it. But having a good time at, of it should never come at the expense of a kid. And, you know, for people to, you know, throw out accusations about kids, um, you know, or, or say things and start rumors about kids, that's just, as adults, man, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. There's there's no place for that And um yeah, certainly not in, in high school football, which I think one of the most appealing things about this sport is the fact that it is still the last really pure form of, of football we have. College football's gotten, it's turned into too much of a big business. And the NFL has gotten too much of a big business and, and too political. So, you know, high school football is what we've got left. And it's truly this sport played in its purest form. And, I'd, you know, I'd appreciate it if, if, if adults would stop screwing it up. Yeah, Chris. I mean, and just to go along with the point, you know, I, I did a documentary back in, what was it, the spring? You were a part of it. It was about Mary Cash South Pittsburgh. Um, and, and I remember I remember you talking about how, you know, they were throwing. We had, it was about the uh, situation in 2013 where they were spray paint on the, on the uh, field house and you had all these issues. And then it came up, and you know, it was just a big scandal. Everything that happened, right? Well, I mean, I mean, I remember back then people talking about it, but I didn't know the extent of it. You're telling me the extent of they were telling, hey, this guy did this, hey, this guy did this. This was a player. This was this. They threw it on a player. I mean, and it ended up being the coaches there. But you know, I, I'm with you. I, I hate when when people try to you know just treat treat the kids like they're kids. Don't treat them. You know, they're still kids. You know, if it's college, fine, right? If it's college. Right, I mean that's when you that's when they start to need to take accountability as athletes because that's when they start to be in the spotlight. That's when they start to be on TV. That's when they start, you know, where it's more of a job than it is a, an activity. Because in high school, it's still an activity. I mean, I'm sorry, but it is because you got class you're going to. In in college, they start to mold your classes around playing that sport, and that's when you start to take accountability. That's when you start to take criticism. And I don't think adults should be criticizing these kids. When clearly, you know, I mean, just criticize the coach. Don't criticize the kids. I mean, that's, that's just common sense. I mean, at the high school level, at the youth level. Um, but but for my fellow of the week, I actually had your low light, Chris. Uh, Ray County falls to, to McMinn County. McMinn County is a good team. I will give them that. They are 6A. But to me, that's just, that's just a fail. I, I just – you talked about the turnovers. Ray County, you're supposed to be – you know, this is like the bottom feeder team in, six, in, in like uh, – in 6A overall, and the bottom feeder team in that in that region, definitely, you know, I, I you know, I, Ray County dropped out of my top five. We talked about it earlier. I, I just think that's how much of a fail it was. They can work their way back in, but it's going to be a long road for Ray County. I'm just saying. Chandler's tough, man. Chandler's tough. <laughs> he 
He is so tough. Hey, that's going to do it for us this week uh, here on the SETN Preps Podcast. Talk a little high school football. Week five, we are halfway through, Chandler, the regular season. Halfway through the regular season. Hard to believe, but we are halfway through the regular season. We will have our week five preview coming out later on this week. I think we got a little little Bradley Cleveland to talk about this week, too, so that'll be fun. Oh, that'll so be fun. we got a lot of stuff to get to. Until then, uh, if you miss an episode of the podcast, you can always find it. We're on iTunes. You can find a link on Facebook. Um, we're, we're everywhere, so come find us. Come hang out. I uh, hope you enjoy it. If you do subscribe to it on iTunes, we would muchly appreciate it. If you would, uh, you know, subscribe, rate, and review, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us on uh, Facebook, and uh, we'll do this again uh, later on in the week. Looking forward to it, Chandler. Looking forward to it, too. See you then.